My name is Zachary King. You can call me Zach or Pastor Zach, however it works for you. Looking forward to shaking hands or doing a fist bump, depending on how you uh, feel today uh, after the service. But it's just really great to be here with you. You are, are one of uh, our uh, most important and very best uh, sending churches. You support many Resonate uh, missionaries. For those of you who are maybe still asking questions uh, about Resonate and what it is, Resonate Global Mission is uh, the denominational mission agency of the Christian Reformed Church. It's the coming together of home missions, which was a mission agency with 100 years of history, focused on the domestic mission work of the Christian Christian Reformed Church, and also the coming together of Christian Reformed World Missions, which was the international mission sending agency of the Christian Reformed Church with over 100 years of history. Uh, It was uh, the decision of the leadership of the Christian Reformed Church to bring us together, and it's our calling to serve you uh, as a church here in Elmhurst, and your calling and vocation and mission. That's why we exist, to serve you as you send missionaries uh, overseas and around the world, but also as you engage your community uh, in this community uh, with the message of Christ. So we exist to deepen your passion for mission as a mission agency. We exist to strengthen your capacity to follow God in mission. And we exist to amplify the impact that you and your church can have in your neighborhood and around the world. And when you think about that, uh, really the verse that comes to mind for us at Resonate is Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you think about what that text means. It calls us to be about the, the mission in Jerusalem. That is our sort of local context here in, in, Chicago, in the Chicagoland area, in our specific community, and Resonate would like to accompany you with that in church planning, in the campus ministry, the work that we do on secular college campuses, in equipping your church to reach out to its its community is an important part of what we do. But we also work with you in all Judea and Samaria, and that is those places that are a little farther away from us, perhaps culturally, perhaps in terms of of geographical location. We walk with churches as they address uh, issues of immigration, people coming into their communities, languages that we don't speak, experiences that we haven't had. And we would like to walk with churches like yours as they embrace those kinds of people coming in their community. And of course, to the ends of the earth. And that really is the international mission sending piece that, that we're still here to engage and to equip and to serve you in. And in fact, just a few weeks ago, I had a chance to meet one of the missionaries you support in their context, Stan and Bessie Cruz in the Philippines when I was doing uh, some travel. And so they send their greetings to you and uh, their appreciation for your support. And it's just amazing to see what God is doing in growing church leaders in the Philippines. I also had a chance to visit Cambodia. That's one of those 2% countries where Christians make only a few percentages of the population. And our missionaries there are doing great, a great work or in, in equipping local leaders there and, and uh, walking with them as they reach out to Buddhists and non-believers uh, in that country. And so it's really exciting to be part of that, that work. And I just want to say thank you to you as a congregation for uh, the support and the prayer that, uh, that you give us as a mission agency and uh, just to let you know that we're here as God calls you into the mission for which he is equipping you for. Let's take a moment to pray and to uh, enter God's presence as we open his word. Lord God, we give you thanks today. We give you thanks for your great grace, for the way in which you speed in our hearts, you enliven us with the mercy and the love and the hope that you give us in a time of of great uh, upheaval, when many people are asking questions 
about who they are and who you are and who the, what this world is about. Lord, we give you thanks that in your scripture you give us answers and you call us to live out those scriptures through your Holy Spirit who you so generously give us. Give us your Holy Spirit now as we open scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be taking a look at a scripture from Mark chapter 8. If you have a Bible with you, or if you want to grab one in the pew in front of you there. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. This is God's word for us this morning. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to him, and called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on these people, for they have been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way, because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken seven loaves and he given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples and set them before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them, and he also told the disciples to distribute them. And the people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present. And having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples, and he went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came to him and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply, and he said, Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed on the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf which they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? You know, we human beings have an amazing capacity to see and to hear, but to miss the point. A few months ago, I was uh, having a very difficult time in my life and just facing a really, really sticky situation, just feeling oppressed and overwhelmed and frustrated and really not seeing my way through it. And I have a, a spiritual director, a mentor, and I was meeting with him and, and talking about all of these things that troubled me. And uh, 
He stopped for a moment and he pulled out a blank piece of paper, like this one. And in his, uh, out of his uh, pocket, he pulled out a, uh, a pen. I'm going to use a permanent marker. And he took that piece of paper and he put it down. And he took that pen. And by the way, I do have a couple of pieces of paper here, so uh, Pastor Mark and Pastor Greg won't be remembering my sermon on a black mark on the uh, beautiful pulpit here. So my, my spiritual director, my mentor, he took this piece of paper and he put a, just a small black dot. I'm going to make it a little bigger for you because I know it's going to be a little hard to see in the back. And, and he took this piece of paper and he held it up to me and, and he asked me this question. He's like, okay, Zach, what do you see? And I got to tell you, the moment he said that, my hands got really clammy. I just started mumbling. I'm like, um, well, uh... Because I know he's always kind of, he's always speaking in parables. He's always asking these really kind of oblique questions. And I had no idea what to say. So I was like, a dot? And he looked at me, and he kind of sighed a little bit like what Jesus did there. And, and he just kind of asked me the question again, what do you really see here in front of you? What do you, what do you actually see Is there something more to see here, Zach, other than the dot that's right in front of your face? You know, for 12 years, uh, my family and I uh, had the opportunity to serve, uh, both to live and serve in the country of Haiti, uh, which is an island country in the Caribbean. And and Haiti really is a little bit like a a black dot in the the midst of uh, these beautiful blue azure waters of the Caribbean, because all you hear from our media, all you hear sort of from our national discourse about Haiti is about all of the demonstrations that happen and all of the, the earthquake and the, and the hurricanes and the poverty and the pictures of hungry children. And, and it seems like all of our discourse about that country is really focused on, on sort of that black mark in the middle of the piece of paper that, that is that country. And, and there were many times in my life in which I sort of felt the same way. I felt overwhelmed and both my family and I we're wondering about how we're going to continue our ministry there. We went through this earthquake that happened in 2010, went through eight hurricanes, actually, just a lot of upheaval. And as we're thinking about that, as, as we've been thinking about that for many years, even since we've come home now for two and a half years, uh, God has really just, just put a, on our heart the question of, did we really see what there was to see? Or were we focusing on something that wasn't necessarily the big picture? Were we focusing on a smudge of ink? instead of the big picture of what God could paint on the beautiful piece of canvas or the beautiful piece of paper that is the country of Haiti. You know, our text today is a challenging one. It is a difficult one. Because Mark 8, 1 through 21 presents us with a major smudge of ink on a beautiful white piece of paper. And if you read the text, as we did, you see that there's a situation in which there's a multitude of people, and really they're famished. They've been for three days with Jesus, And they've had nothing to eat except whatever they carried with them. And they have nothing with them except for perhaps the clothes on their backs. And here are the disciples, right? And they they really don't know what to do about this situation. They're really at the limits of their understanding. They don't really have an understanding of God and what God could do. And then there's Jesus who asks the disciples and who calls us not to become fixated on the dot. Not to become focused on the dot that is in the middle of a beautiful white piece of paper. And he's calling them into that space, and yet they struggle to see it. And this challenges us, perhaps, when we see a piece of paper with a dot, metaphorically in our own life, when there's a smudge of ink, perhaps, that really grasps our attention. Is that all there is to see in front of our face? 
And in order for us to see and understand what God's abundant power, what his word wants to show us in this text, I think we really have to think about it in four scenes. Four scenes. Let's think of it a little bit like a movie. A movie with four different scenes, or a play with four different scenes, in order that we can get a clear idea of, of what the shape of this true piece of paper is, and not just sort of the smudge of ink that's on it. So let's go and look at our first scene. So our first scene happens in another desolate place. In fact, it happens in the most desolate place in the world, in the desert of the Sinai. And it happens in Exodus chapter 16. In Exodus chapter 16, the people of Israel are in their second month after leaving Egypt, after escaping Egypt under the leadership of Moses and Aaron, but by the mighty work of God, they have escaped this place of slavery and suffering, and now they're in the desert and they're making their way towards the land that God has given them and the land that God has promised them. The problem is they're hungry, and they're in big trouble because there is no food. This is a wasteland that they are in. And now they come before Moses and Aaron, ready to pick up rocks and to stone them, complaining and grumbling against them, saying, If only we had died in Egypt, they complained. If only we had died. We ate all we wanted. But now you brought us up into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. You know that smudge of ink on the piece of paper that we just looked at? That must have seemed pretty disconcerting to the people of Israel at that moment. And so God hears these concerns, and he tells Moses, and he tells Aaron, and I think he's probably telling them that this is going to be a really long and annoying family trip, right? This is going to be difficult. It's not going to be like, are we there yet? Those are sort of like the easy questions. This is going to be a tough road. But God says, I will provide for these people, and I will show you how I'll provide for these people. And so God tells them how he will do it. He will give them food from heaven in the form of manna, this wafer, honey-tasting wafer that will collect on the ground. And so the people of Israel can collect enough to eat, even in the most desolate place through their travels, every day except for the Sabbath day. God was going to provide for them. And so the lesson that, that, that Moses was trying to make and that I think we'll see in our text as we get into it, is that God has the power to carry us and to complete his promises even in the most desolate place. Let's think about scene two. So that is another transition. Imagine with me scene two. This happens in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. We didn't read it, but it may be familiar to you. And in this place, we find another tired and hungry crowd. They're not in the desert this time, but they are in a desolate place. They are in a wilderness place, a place where there's no food, where there are no people. And they have a situation. They need food, and there's only a few loaves and fish. Now, this was situation was a smudge of ink, right? Maybe a little smaller than this one, but this was a situation, a serious situation, a serious smudge of ink on a big white piece of paper. And so Jesus is there. Jesus has been teaching, and he's been preaching, and he's exhausted, and, and he's taken his, his uh, disciples, and he's tried to escape to a desolate place. And, and people somehow saw him leave, saw the disciples leave, and they followed him. And they, they got in this desolate place, and, and they approached Jesus, and as he's seeing them, he, he has compassion on them, because as, as Mark says, they're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so he begins to teach them and to encourage them and then the sun is arcing through the sky, and it's getting very low, and here they are in this desolate place with no food, no water. How are these people going to make it home? They've come with nothing. They've come following Jesus with only the clothes on their back. And so Jesus asked the question, 
What are we going to do? What are we going to do about these, about these people who are out here? Now, I imagine Jesus, this wise teacher, this great miracle worker who can do these amazing things. The question is asked, and he looks at the disciples, and his answer is really simple. He's like, okay, you feed them. <laughs> what was that all about? If you're the disciples, you're like, no way. Not only do we not have eight months' wages to feed these people, there's nowhere in this desolate place where we're going to get that much food to feed these people. And so they are appalled. But Jesus is undeterred. He asks the question, what is here for these people to eat? Five measly loaves and two measly fish. And so Jesus sits these people down on the green grass in the Galilean countryside in this empty place, and he blesses this food, and he breaks it, and he begins to disperse it, and the disciples disperse it, and basketful after basketful are left after everyone eats and is satisfied. And when the scripture talks about eating and being satisfied, that means they were full. They were completely full. They had ate everything they needed. So what is the lesson to take away from this scene? Well, you know, it doesn't take a genius to really kind of dig into what, what uh, Mark is saying here and what Jesus is saying. In this situation, in this desolate place, the disciples are asking the question of how, how it would even be possible. They're fixated on the black mark. They're fixated on the ink, smudge of ink. And Jesus is saying, look more broadly. Look at the paper. Look at the beautiful way in which God's power can paint opportunity and, and option in his world. God's abundant power can faithfully accomplish his promises. That brings us to our scene, the third scene, the scene that we've just read, the feeding of the 4,000 in Mark chapter 8. I wonder if you've ever experienced deja vu. Maybe you've heard that term. Deja vu is where either you're doing something or you're talking to someone or you're at a certain place and it just feels like you've been there before. But you can't remember. You, don't, you can't put your finger on exactly how you were there or when you were there. But you just have that feeling that all of this happened before. Well, this text that we just read from Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 21 is deja vu. In fact, it is almost parallel to scene 2, the scene from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44, the first feeding miracle. Not surprisingly, they're in another deserted place, right? Jesus is with this big crowd of people in another lonely place in the Galilean countryside. Not the desert, not like the Exodus, but it's still a deserted place with no resources. And this time, we've got a hungry crowd as well. Before, in, Acts cha or in Mark chapter 6, verse 30, we had 5,000 men and women and children beside. This time, we have 4,000 men plus women and children. A huge crowd. And this time, the people have been there for a long time. In fact, this time, they've been there for three full days, receiving teaching for Jesus with very little that they brought. And here they are, the disciples, befuddled, confused, not knowing what God is going to do and what can be done to resolve the situation of all of these hungry people with nothing and no food and no options. And there is Jesus, motivated by compassion, still motivated compa by compassion. Just like in Mark chapter 6, he has compassion on these people. Jesus says, I have compassion on these people, for they've been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. But the disciples object. How could they do this? How could they even say this again? I, I scratch my head. But they object. They said, where in this remote place could we ever find enough bread to feed this crowd? 
and a few measly and bread, a few measly loaves of bread, and a few fish turn up. And again, Jesus prays over these 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 these, these small items, and he begins to distribute them. And all the people eat and are satisfied, and and basketfuls of extra are are collected. And it's another miracle. It's amazing. And it's another example of how the disciples were completely fixated on this black mark in the middle of the paper. And somehow they lost the big picture of the abundant power of God and and what God could do in a desolate place. But there's more to our third scene, isn't there? Because it keeps going. Mark uh, actually uses the, the Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees? They're Jesus' enemies, right? They're Jesus' antagonists. They always show up at key times to oppose Jesus. And And right after this feeding miracle, you know, Jesus leaves and he's immediately approached by the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are like, well, if you're really the Messiah, give us a sign. Excuse me. Two feeding miracles. 4,000 women and 4,000 men plus women and children fed. 5,000 men plus women and children fed. Excuse me. All of these signs have, have been just trundled out before them for everyone to see, and they can't see it. It's almost as if they're blind. And, and Jesus sighs deeply in his soul. I mean, you could just imagine the frustration, right? I mean, Jesus was human. Just like, oh, please. How difficult it must have been. Why does this generation ask for a sign, Jesus says. But the thing is, and probably the most disconcerting thing for Jesus, is it wasn't just the Pharisees that were blind and deaf to this. It was also the disciples. Because immediately after the Pharisees, we see the disciples and Jesus in a boat. And just like we've had in the feeding miracle in chapter 6, and just like in chapter 8, there's no bread. There's no bread again. And so the disciples have one loaf of bread in their boat, and they're wondering what to do. You know, I, I feel sorry for Jesus. I don't know if you ever feel sorry for Jesus. I imagine, it doesn't say it, but I imagine his sigh was probably deeper. He was probably just having this deep sigh in his heart, just wondering, what do I do with these people? And so Jesus warns them. He says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. You know, the Jews uh, today, but as back then, as we read in in the first five books of Scripture, they uh, celebrated a number of their holy days with unleavened bread. So leaven is yeast, right? That's another word for, for yeast. And so when we talk about be careful for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod, Jesus' disciples would have, would have heard sort of the, that sort of core failure or that core sin that, that was in the Pharisees, that was in them, that, that yeast. It was a negative image. It was, it was not a positive image by any means. And so... The question was, what is the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod? Well, that really had to do with the rebellion, with the stubbornness, and with the hard-heartedness that characterized the Pharisees. It had to do with stubborn blindness. And so, in exasperated Jesus asked the disciples, why? Why? Why are you still talking about having no bread? Why are you still having this conversation? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? It's as if they're seeing the smudge of ink on the paper and they can only look at it. They can't see this beautiful canvas, this beautiful piece of paper that God is painting the power and the abundant glory of his kingdom on. They're just 
obsessed and stuck on that smudge of ink. And the lesson is, is that God can do immeasurably more. God is painting a portrait of his love and power on that page. God has abundant power and he will faithfully accomplish his promises, even in the desert, even in the wilderness. Our last scene is really focused on us today. And you know, it's easy to be critical of the Israelites, the people of Israel, about the story in the desert, right? They'd seen many miracles leading up to that two-month point where they were stuck in the desert without food. It's easy to be critical of their hard-heartedness. It's easy to be critical of, of the disciples. I mean, my goodness, they saw so much. How could they not get it? And yet, Mark is writing to us through these stories. Mark is not writing a human interest story, is he? He's not, he's not writing uh, just an interest, interesting yarn or interesting story or an essay for a prize. He's writing to us. So often we are like the disciples, I think. So often we see a, a beautifully white piece of paper and we can only see a smudge of ink on it. You know, I have a problem. Maybe some of you have this problem. So I'm, I'm the person in the house, the designated light bulb uh, replacer. I don't know who, you, if some of you are. The thing in my family is that everyone loves the soft white light bulbs, right? You know, that make that beautiful yellow light. That's what everyone wants. But every time I go to the store to replace a light bulb, I always get those daylight bulbs. I always get those daylight bulbs. You know, the ones that kind of have the blue light? No one will accept this in my house. And I've come to realize that the only way that I will be able to get a soft white light bulb is if I actually take a package of daylight bulbs back with me to return. And that will remind me to actually get the soft light, light bulb so that I can fulfill my uh, mandate given to me by my family to replace bulbs in our house. It's like I can't remember. Every time I, I reach the situation, it's like the first time I've ever done it and I always forget. That's really a lot like our walk with God. And sometimes, in some ways, we forget and we fall into the same traps again and again and again and again. You know, Jesus, uh, in that last part of, of Mark chapter 8 that we read and the text that we just read this morning, the final verses uh, leading up to verse 21, he's actually quoting Isaiah the prophet. In Isaiah chapter 6, that is Isaiah's commissioning as a prophet, right? That's his sort of sending. And it's not exactly a great and glorious sending where God is saying, this is going to be great and people are going to come to faith and churches are going to be planted and all of this stuff. Actually, he's saying that uh, to, to Isaiah, he says, these people that I'm sending you will be ever hearing but never understanding. They will be ever seeing but never perceiving. That's really the situation that we find ourselves in often as the people of God. Often when confronted by a piece of paper with a, with a black dot, all we see is the black dot. And we don't see the possibilities of God in that piece of paper. And we see that in our text. The manna in the desert was sort of a, a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do in, in feeding his people in the wilderness. What is the, story, what is the answer to this challenge? Well, we need to be fed. The answer to this is that we need to be fed. We need to be fed by Jesus. Isn't it Jesus who says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. An ever-deepening spiritual connection to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the solution for that blindness and deafness that so often assaults us because of our own heart, because of the world that we live in. 
And so Jesus initiates that spiritual connection when we receive him as, as our Lord and Savior, when, when uh, he communicates that to us through our hearts, and the Holy Spirit grows it in us. And that is the work of we call sanctification, that daily growing in the love and knowledge of God. And it's confirmed when we, we share in the Lord's Supper, when we're reminded of the way in which Christ died for us, the way in which he nourishes us through his sacrifice. That spiritual connection is the greatest gift that we'll have in this life. This is what Dallas Willard says about it in his book, Hearing God. He says, in the progress of God's redemptive work, communication advances to communion and communion to union. And when that progression is complete, we can truly say it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We start out with this connection to Christ, and it grows into a communion. And finally, as it grows in our life, we're united with Christ until it's no longer we who, who live, but Christ who lives in us. And when we reach that point, there's no question about food. There's no question about water. We know that God will sustain us. And when we face these black marks, these smudges of ink on a pristine paper full of possibility, we'll see the paper the possibilities God will abundantly accomplish his promises, even in the wilderness. Let me suggest in closing two practical ways in which we could see God's power abundantly work and fill up that paper of our life. First, I think we've all been in the wilderness in our lives, haven't we? Maybe you're in the wilderness today. The familiar culprits take us there, right? Illnesses, cancer, unexpected accidents, the loss of jobs, unraveling of relationships with loved ones who are so important to us. The grief of death. When we're in these wildernesses, often the only thing we could see is that blot of ink. That's part of being human. But God offers another way. Being fed by Christ allows us to see the abundant power of God faithfully at work in our lives, accomplishing his promises, even in the most desolate place. And then second, I'd like to say a word about mission. You know, when it comes to sharing the gospel in our context and around the world, often we really do, it really seems like we're focused on the blot of ink, right? I mean, we often think just how difficult it is. And in this context where the gospel, uh, you know, seems not to be valued, not to, not to be received well, to think God no longer has power in this world, that, that his word no longer changes the lives of people, that an experience of his fullness no longer makes a difference. And we can look at ourselves and we can say, who am I? Who am I? Who are we? We don't have the gifts to share God's love in and, 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 and word and in tangible ways. We don't have the capacities. And yet it's the Holy Spirit who gives us everything. And sometimes even I think we lack the compassion. I sometimes lack the compassion to see hurting people and to reach out in love and grace, just as Jesus did, who constantly had compassion and who reached out to those who needed to hear him and to have a relationship with him. At the deepest level, when it comes to mission, sometimes we're stuck on that problem of perception. Sometimes we can't see and hear. We can't understand what's right in front of our face, the beautiful paper, the, the canvas that God is painting in front of us. But God has the power, doesn't he, to paint that page. And he uses us, and he has used us, and he will continue to use us. He will push his church forward in mission. But do we have eyes to hear and ears? Do we have, do we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to feel compassion for those that God is putting before us. God has abundant power to faithfully accomplish his promises in the wilderness. 
including his promise to fulfill his mission through us. So do we see it? Do we see it? As you go home today, as you think about this, what are you going to see when when the smudges come? Or will you see the dot? Will you see the, the blank sheet of paper, the opportunity that God is putting in front of you and that he's painting before you? For 12 years, as we served with Resonate Global Mission or what was World Missions then in Haiti, I think there were many times in which we really got stuck on that, on that blot, which really got stuck on that smudge, because there were some difficult moments. And yet, there were times of clarity during our 12 years, and continue to be times of clarity, when we see this beautiful, wonderful people who God has given us, and a wonderful country, uh, in, in case of Haiti, beauty that perhaps we don't always see, an opportunity, people who love God, people who love each other, and, and churches that are changing their communities. It took us a while to see that. And perhaps in your life, you're in a position now when, where the ink blot is, is really the main thing that you're seeing. What is God opening your eyes to today? What is God opening your eyes to? What does he put right in front of you today? God's abundant power will faithfully accomplish his mission, his promises, even in the darkest and the most desolate wildernesses of our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you as a people and we acknowledge sometimes, Lord, you put beautiful opportunities before us and yet sometimes we're captivated by the smudge of ink, we're captivated by the problem, we're captivated by the challenge and it's hard for us to see beyond it. And yet, Lord, we know that you are a God of abundant power. And that is what you showed us in these four scenes today. That is what you're showing us in our lives, Lord God. That is what you're showing this congregation, each one gathered here, and the many people that are gathered worshiping you on this day um, throughout all the time zones of this world, Lord God. Lord, I pray and we ask that you would help us to see the, the beautiful canvas the white sheet of paper, the opportunities, the places that you're filling with your love, the beauty of what's happening around us, and the beauty of each other as we're called into mission to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.